This podcast is proudly brought to you by Annotate Agency, a team of creatives passionate about introducing clients to the transformative impact of creative digital marketing. Please go check them out, guys. Listeners, Snake Edwards on the recorder here. This one's a belter. Uh, we are back in the Annotate Agency studio for another episode of A Chat with Pat and I'm so blessed to have a beautiful, kind, compassionate man by my side who's done amazing, great things with a deeper message of all the things you produced of being kind to other people, Callum Padgham, mate. Welcome to the podcast, mate. I'm so blessed. Thanks, Pat. I genuinely feel the exact same way. I feel like there's a, um, a kindred spirit between yep. each of us yeah. and I think on a deeper level, I actually think you know whilst you said you recognize those qualities in me and i certainly do 100 percent recognize those qualities in you Thanks, i also mate. think that those qualities are omnipresent in everybody and i think that's yeah. part of hum- like what makes you human yeah is is to love each other for sure right yeah well no one's b- born learning to hate i've always thought no that, no, no. Yeah. but do you think okay <laughs> now you've opened pandora's box do you think that you're born like intrinsically loving or are you taught? Well, taught from to a love? social worker's side of you, that's oh, this a lot. is why the per- you're the perfect person to ask. <laughs> this is uh, all formed in our attachments. So when we're born in our okay. first relationships, which is often presented by our parents. So right. So this is a nurture argument. Yes, okay. very much so. Um, you know, it's kind of the first thing that therapists and psychologists ask is, "How's your relationship with your parents?" Right. You can kind of often go back. Uh, I don't want to get too professionally inclined in this podcast. Oh, I, <laughs> hey, hey, we're doing it. <laughs> I, I asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, normally you ask, how's your uh, relationship with parents? And in right. my point of view, without giving too much client uh, things away, yeah, there's normally a broken hatch in there. So do it's you, quite delicate. Do you yeah. think that, um, just, do you think it's directly transferable with the amount of love that you receive from a parent is, would then be directly transferable in the amount of love that this person can put out in the world? Mm. I think sometimes it can be the other way. You normally see the most loving people in the world mm. who are actually come from pretty broken backgrounds as totally. well. Um, so it's quite interesting that, that chat. And then the other way, when people are too loved, um, I could come up with numerous clients, they are a bit self-indulgent. And it can and go into ego and it oh, can go into narcissism. Go into so and much things. That's yeah. so interesting. I, I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners, and I'm sure yeah. you would probably relate to this as well, I can only speak of my own experience that my biggest traumas, yeah. without a doubt, yeah. have shaped my interest mm. uh passion lifelong goal of bringing people together so totally oh, i'm the same right like, i've always believed that you cannot enjoy the the worst things in life without i mean you can't enjoy the best things in life without going through the worst things in life absolutely have a great amount of gratitude for those good things oh that's yeah. so beautiful i love that we're three and a half minutes here and that's it. so okay can, I, I, and i know we want to get get on with it but i, I can i if i can lighten up this conversation yeah. a little bit i had a thought about exactly that the other day and that is i have the most adorable labradoodle yep. named neon yeah. he's just turned two years old he's he's just so incredibly cute and you know, I was midway through my daily ritual of saying, oh, I just don't you just a beautiful little boy. I just love you. I just love you so much. And, mate, and then I thought about my own traumas because I guess the thing about trauma is you do think about it a bit. Oh, yes. And I was like, what fucking problem have you had before? <laughs> Sorry, am I, am I allowed to swear? No, of course, mate. Okay. Course, what, what problem have you had before? You little shit. No, I didn't say <laughs> what problem have you had before and, and what's your understanding of love? Because Neon's... Like one hundred percent of his life has been been loved, been, <laughs> been the center of the universe, and I wonder, do you think that that diminishes his perception of 
what love is and, mm. and his enjoyment of love. Yes, well... If Neon was a human, <laughs> which he, guess, he is, my yeah, little boy, yeah, well, he's a little boy. <laughs> but like, like what we're saying is, um, yeah, like you just become too love. Like everything is just too loving, right? Like right. you don't appreciate it as much. Totally, so totally. Like, like there is a balancing act in life. Yes. Um, like I said, and then you know, when you don't get a little bit of something that's not quite close to love, your your resilience starts to be questioned, and things start to fall out of balance. So. I'm a big advocate in the old, the balance in life. So right. as we get a bit philosophical, but like, because oh, my own ex- personal experiences, you can't cherish the little things or the beautiful things in life unless you go through some pretty bad things. Absolutely. And then, you know, we as humans, we've created shortcuts, right? But all of the shortcuts yeah. lead to dead ends. Oh, I totally. So like, I, my first thought was something like nicotine. Yeah, yeah. Which is, if I'm perfectly honest, I'm sure my parents will listen to this, but yeah. let's 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 have it out on the yes. table. Nicotine is this thing where, um, I've, you know, I've probably never identified as a smoker, yeah. but it um, clicks with my inner self so deeply that yeah. I could go the rest of my life and never smoke another cigarette again, and yeah. I'll, it'll always be like ten centimeters yeah. away from my brain yeah. because of the way that it's it's like receive all of that gratification and yeah. all of that all of the goodness. Without doing any of the work. Well, yeah, that's an addiction in, a, in itself, yep. isn't it? In yep. some way, or anything like the plain p- pleasure cycle. Yep. Yeah. But you're a you you you're a gym man. Oh, yeah, I try to keep fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah fantastic. Much the same thing. Much well, the same thing. well, and, and, well. No, I don't think it's much the same <laughs> thing though, because with the gym, you actually have to put yourself. You were speak, you were saying it's all about balance. Yeah. And I think in order to achieve all of these feelings at the tail end of it, yeah. you actually have to go through. Hell's the wrong word, but you have to like work for it. Well, yeah, yeah. For me, it was when I was overweight. Right, and I uh, lost a lot of weight when I was about eighteen, yeah. and then much the same thing. The, yeah. the balance. You lost about forty kilograms. Yes, I, I did. I did. Yeah, it was a lot of. Love weight. that episode. <laughs> it's a great podcast. Thanks, Maggie. You've got a fan and a guest. And a guest. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. One. Uh, um, but yeah, like, and, and, and again, it's true. Like I, yeah, I wouldn't value my health as much as if I didn't go through that as well. And yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that, that's all I, like that's I if I didn't go through that as well I wouldn't know as well other things that's related to that process that's so beautiful so. thanks so much for yeah. sharing that with me yeah. um, it, it that also um, resonates pretty deeply with me because I've had my own yeah. body image issues yeah. probably my entire life and yeah. and, and, and I won't pigeonhole you um, <laughs> but did you find that even after you did lose lose all of that weight it's very hard to separate yourself from the boy that was so hurt uh, yes that? yeah yeah like Again, oh, it's I'll switch states a bit here. Um, like, um, I, I've had a mate who's said, um, he said, you know, I've, you know, a prime example a little bit, and I'm not half of it is like attention, right? Either right. where it's from opposite sex, and I struggle with that. Right. It's like I'm still the quote unquote fat pat. And then you're getting yeah. all this attention, but you're trying to cipher through whether it's for the right reasons or not. Oh, wow. That, I had a mate say, and then all just clicked, and I just wasn't used to that. Yeah, wow. You know, I still in my head is just the old insecure. So not there's insecure. like a new filter that that yeah. has created in your brain where like even like yeah. something that is just straight up genuine positive, which is yeah. like positive attention yeah. that you can't look at it the same way. And that or? process for me was just like I'm, uh, you know, no matter how much weight I lost or whatever yeah. or how I looked, yeah. it still didn't change some other things in my life. I still wasn't genuinely happy. Yeah. Like I went through some pretty bad stuff when I was that yeah. age and... Yeah, that was a big eye. I thought this body would give me some amazing things, but yeah. it didn't. Like it didn't. Yeah. And I'm still not pleased with it now. Like I still get yeah. bad days as well with my body and how you, I look. Is that in like a, an overhang from yeah. from when you're a kid? For like sure. it's like for sure. Yeah, I feel the same. Yeah, for sure. Do you? You know, and I hope this isn't too personal. Nah, definitely. Like fucking yeah. nine minutes in. Do you? Um, do you have good days as well? 
Oh, with it? Yeah, yeah. I have good days and I have some bad days as well. Yeah. But I'm quite realistic now and balancing my life. I've had a pretty rough couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, not like rough in a bad sense, just stress, like pure stress and fatigue. Yeah. And uh, it's made me doubt a lot of things, even like doubting the podcast. And if I should, you know, I like, oh, is it worth it? And things like that, silly things like that. Yeah. Um, and a few little demons always come back and read its head when you're like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm still, I don't know, I'm pretty grateful. I'm pretty good. You know, like yeah. I've got a lot of good things going on yeah. and things. You know, it's just a, it's a part of the up and downs of life and that's the reality of it. I mean, we shouldn't sugarcoat someone that has this beautiful life and is always happy because normally the most happy and successful people have gone through the worst stuff as well. Absolutely. And also yeah. for what it's worth, man, um, thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah, thank you, Padgy. Uh, <laughs> secondly, I, I, appearance means fuck all. We yeah. both know that objectively. However, yeah. we've both been through body image issues yeah. so I want you to know that yeah. I see you thank as an incredibly good looking man <laughs> yeah I'll see you as a beautiful man. <laughs> thank you thank you um, and then and then furthermore to that as I think what you're doing with this yeah. podcast is genuinely inspiring thank you so man. keep keep going it. it's so cool it. it's such an honour to be a part of it nah. it's an honour to um, what's the word I'm looking for hijack the first <laughs> 10 minutes with my own agenda <laughs> on this podcast and I'll never forget it thank you so much <laughs> thank you mate thank you now what's to you I really appreciate that to you now mate um if you had to i guess define callum pageant what he does how would you define that for the listeners oh that's great that's such a good question and it's, it saves you having to write a bio yeah. too <laughs> um i think if we go back to that um that word attention that yeah. you used earlier yeah. i think that there was when i was young i think that that was a big motivating mm. if not a if not a motivating force, the motivating force. Is that why you got into the arts industry? So I, yeah. I, th I think yep. so. Yep. I think so. And I think, you know, which it's ultimately sounds really shallow, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think I've actually done a lot of work in, you know, in my output and in my motivation and, and, in, and into why I am who I am yeah. and why I do what I do. And that goes back to what we were talking about with, you know, motivated by bringing the world together and, and yeah. you know, treating each other well. But I don't believe it was always that. I think there was attention was driving that for a while. Yeah. Um, I am really proud of the developments I've made since then though. Yeah. Um, so I think that the person that I have become is, how do I start this? It's, it's very, you've, you've, you've thrown a curveball saying <laughs> to find yourself. Um, I'm an artist. Yeah. I pride myself on my people skills. Yeah. I love people. Sure. I love people too. Oh my yeah. God. That's beautiful. I love you. I love you, mate. Oh yeah. I love people. I love Kane. Yeah, I love Kane. Kane is um, rocking, rocking the DL SLR in this beautiful, beautiful studio. Thank you for having us. Um, I love people, and I think I think we all love people, right? Yeah. And to bring it back to that, you know, the very first point that I made, which was, um, well, if we, if we, if it is intrinsically human to yeah. to love and be loved and want to love, then we all just have our different skill sets in which we want to do that together. And I yeah. think maybe what makes me special is that I've really really become aware of that yeah and i've because we're all doing it yeah like we're like everything that everyone has ever done is somehow committed to love whether they even realize it mm. you know whether it's love of their families love of themselves love of their job love of the greater good it's all love even people that are like going down um uh, a really dark path and you know i'm i'm calling for extremes but like even you know Corrupt politicians, drug dealers, all of these people, there is still love is at the very, very core of their motivation. Yeah. And I think maybe what makes me special in this regard, and by the way, I don't think I'm more special than anyone else. <laughs> I just think that my particular thing 
and it's taken me a while to fucking meander yeah. around to this, um, is I have become aware of that motivation in myself and in other people. I've become aware that my particular skill set is well aligned in spreading that message much further than most people can and do. And when I became aware of that, which funnily enough, kind of happened around when I stopped drinking and we can touch, we can touch on that later, but that was about four and a half years ago. Mm. And that's when I really became aware of what I was capable of as an artist and also, um, a humanitarian, a a, a people person. Yeah. Um, I think I've been able to dial in on that and, um, and that's manifested in all kinds of ways, which I'm really proud of and excited by like DJ, be kind to other people, which is certainly a a message long before it's a name. Yes. Um, in fact, as you've probably noticed as a name, it's incredibly clunky and, (laughs) and, and I'm a graphic designer's worst nightmare (laughs) if you try and put me on a, um, a poster, but, um, Yeah. To define who I am and what I am, it is someone that is just like everybody else, motivated by love and spreading the message of love, but perhaps just a little bit more dialed in in doing that. Mm, that's beautiful. That's Thank beautiful. you. And then um, did you find that because you got involved with the arts and you love doing the arts, that this was a way to kind of spread that message Well, yeah, in a quicker way and in a creative way because everyone's got eyes for media. Everyone loves content. And totally. All kind of and don't you know it? Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> Did you find that that was a way that you could kind of spread that message quickly, even though you subconsciously didn't aim for it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Effic- it was like an efficiency thing mm. as well. And I'm not going to pretend that I, like, I don't enjoy the attention side of it yeah. either. But I think then the, the shift was, I think, um, the positive motivation, which was like make the world a better place or we'll bring people together or um, treat what are. Uh, um, lead by example in teaching people well, uh, sorry, in treating people well, that was always in the background and the attention was first. And now it's like, okay, well, it's nice that people are enjoying what I'm doing and it's, and it's, it's certainly very, very validating that people are recognising and it's resonating with a lot of people. But first and foremost, the message is getting across and that has brought me such like an unequivocal amount of joy uh, and yeah. like purpose. Yeah, because the message can always just be there, but it's about getting that point across and sometimes it's about creating good content and good production which is sometimes quite hard for people to accept i mean i like i watched your you know for people listening cal produced would we'll touch on these first an hour documentary called bum where you tackle the issue of homelessness and do you want to run through the listeners because it's a bit more than that you didn't just tackle the issue you actually lived a life as a homeless person and i it was did pretty raw i did yeah what was that experience like i mean what came a to bring you to get to that point to do that because yeah. this was you were early twenties, right? That's right. I was um, second year of film school. I think I was. Wow. I think I was actually twenty, wow. and I'm thirty three now. What got you to the point to do that? Yeah, and then you know give some insight to listeners about how that experience was. Uh, that, so that's such a great question because yeah. it it's it directly parallels with what we're ch- chatting yeah. about, which was do you know what got me to the starting line? In all honesty, was like I'm like this is an attention grabbing idea. So the idea being that I. Um, wanted to emulate, never claimed that I was going to live the life of a homeless person, but I was going to do everything that a 20-year-old film student could do to live a similar life within a seven-day period. You so got pretty close. Got, well, I, got <laughs> yeah. pretty, I got pretty close, but I would never, ever take that away from somebody that's gone yeah. through actual hell. Yeah. You know, I always knew that I could leave at the end of the seven days. I always knew that, like, I didn't have a phone on me, but I had the company of a camera person, yeah. you know. Um, there were always options out. I was not addicted to things. 
Um, I was in Melbourne. It was good weather. People were generally friendly. Um, people, of course, were slightly more friendly to this kid who's like has a, a friendly demeanor than like maybe like a, a drug addict that has been forced into this life through trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma and doesn't know how they can get out. So I was I went into this situation and I and I'll be honest, I was certainly motivated by this is an attention grabbing idea. I think I'd be the person to do it. I was definitely um, inspired by the work of people like Louis Theroux, yeah. John Safran. Um, I thought that maybe there was a space for me to do that. Again, I was 20 and I was second year of film school, still trying to work out what my impact was going to be. But, and why I think that's a great question and, and the answer that it opens up for is, it's actually what happened to me during the film is is actually this wonderful parallel to I think what's occurred in my life as well. I could sense that when I was watching it. It was like this turning point where things started to become, I think after it, you started to become a bit more grateful for the little things that you have. And Absolutely. It's like going away on a camp and then you come <laughs> back and got hot water. But like, I know that sounds silly. But no, 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 that, like t- that sounds brilliant. And like the, the whole process, I mean, to take people through the journey, I mean, yeah. you like slowly start on top and you're like feeling quite positive about it. Yeah. I remember, and this is... Precocious. Yeah. I was a little shit. Yeah. <laughs> to everyone listening, by the fifth or sixth day, you said some pretty harrowing words and I was watching it. I was like, I literally feel like I could kill myself. Yeah. Like that's how lonely it got. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then, um, by the way, thank you for A, watching B, sharing <laughs> yeah, that experience. I'm, I'm really, I really appreciate, appreciate that I connected with you. Yeah. But yeah, it was that yeah day five or six where... I suddenly started thinking like, actually, what am I doing here? Mm. I feel like I was belittling the experience of, of people that were actually doing it rough. And not only that, but putting myself through hell in the process. And it became like, I think humbling is a term that is bandied around a lot, but I think it was, it was truly humbling. Mm. And, and then um, the film, and I believe, and why it's a piece of work that I'm still incredibly proud of was if that didn't happen, no one would know that that film was made. I would be incredibly embarrassed yeah. that I even attempted it. But I'm so grateful that I actually did hit the 20-year-old film student equivalent of rock bottom because that was all captured live. Mm. And I believe that my perspective, my lived experience, and as it sounds like it, it connected with you as well, is that anyone who's seen it, and, and I'm, I'm proud 50,000 people have watched the doco now. And, yeah. and look, if, if 10,000 of those people, if, God, if 10 of those people have connected to that in, a, in an extent, then that can, that can provide some some context for them to actually, t- you know, take stock and find gratitude for the life that they live as well. Wow, that's incredible. And then the details, like, to it, I mean, oh, for people that hasn't watched it, I mean, you even go so far to try to get a job and mm. see how, like, people, how logistically it really is hard mm. to be a homeless person and yep. where things sometimes out of control, you get to that point, right? Yeah. Whether it's addiction, mental health, social issues, mm. and then to get back up to the top through the system is just so incredibly hard. I mean, the, the mm. Centrelink point was a big eye-opening thing for yep. me where you, you don't have any documents. And you, yeah, can you run through that one? For um, it's, it's been a while yeah, since I've yeah. watched it, but from memory, I think maybe even the theme of the whole film was yeah. like just the, the, just the, uh, the sheer logistics, yeah. aside from all of the emotional stuff, because I feel like the emotional stuff, um, that's what the actual film's about, but you have to pad out, you know, a 70-minute feature film. So you have to – I had to like include some – activities every single day so one day was getting a job uh one day was yeah going to Centrelink and trying to get on the doll and they ask all of these things like what's your address mm. and I'm like well, well I don't have one don't have one you know <laughs> for the for the record I don't have one and in real life I also did not have one um they go great um 
okay, well, we'll put your number here and we'll call you. I'm like, well, I don't have a phone. Um, okay, what's your email address? Well, I don't have a computer. And it was just, you know, and, and I came up against those same issues when I was trying to get a job at KFC. Yes, that was a good one. And yeah. I'm like, this is KFC. And that is not to, um, not to decry anyone working at KFC. <laughs> it's more just like, oh, well, where, if I cannot get a job there by sheer logistics, wh- how can I begin to get on my feet? And, and I think a big takeaway from that was that anyone that is in these tougher situations, like the system does fail them. Because, you know, the system, the system is built for people like us, Pat, and, yes. and touch wood. I'm incredibly grateful for that. Yeah. More people need to be aware that, of just how lucky we are. It is so incredible as a social worker just how the, fast, the, the sheer gap between, mm. <laughs> between our poverty, the, how much poverty we have in a blessed, beautiful country, yeah. and to, I guess, people like me and things, or anyone, you know, anyone else, anyone living in poverty, it's just the sheer gap of it. I mean, yeah. we used to have to, the homelessness situation, I used to work in drug and alcohol counselling as a social yep. worker. and So you've seen it a lot. We start, yeah, we start an initiative where we give out swags because in Portland there's massive homelessness culture. We just started this program where you had to give out swags because the homelessness situation was too bad. Was that council funded, government funded? Uh, through the hospital, it was. Wow. So yeah, we had swags and then we used to run out swags and then the worst, the most... And you're, when you're a part of that system as a professional and the mm. worst, most harrowing thing as a professional is when you send them home and you know that they've got no... Nowhere to be, nowhere to live, nothing oh to support them. Yeah, um, but you're like, mate, I got to knock off at some point. Yeah, and that's entailed in your documentary where even the church and the Salvation Army, mm. where they they were limiting resources in supporting yeah. you in that. But, but then we, it's not like we can expect them to go like to his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Open the door. Play, the homelessness foundation you went to. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, that's they right. Said come back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Interesting um, side note about that. Uh, as as you know, I was I was filming because I had the camera in my mm. in my shopping bag. Um, I recognized his voice, right? And like four years later, I was working at a restaurant just around the corner here, <laughs> Hoo-ha on Chapel Street. Shout out, Paul Castile. It's a great bar. Make sure you check it out. And I, and I was a, um, the maitre d' on the door and I heard the same voice came up to me. Wow. And I was like, did you work in um, the Gray Street, Gray Street um, crisis housing? And he's like, yeah, I did actually. And I'm like, I, I came to you a few years ago. I was looking for accommodation. Um, I was filming a documentary and he's like, oh, I thought you were. And it was just amazing to reconnect. Interesting, like on, on the other, you know. It's full circle. Yeah, yeah, full circle. Did many people who feature in that documentary know that you actually filming a documentary? No, oh, no, wow. n- not during, not while we were doing it. I think that would have perhaps defeated the purpose a bit. Mm. Um, I can say that the Salvation Army who, if there is a hero in that film, I think it's them yeah, for sure. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm pro-church either, but I'm definitely pro-salvos. And um, they, so I premiered the film at Revolver, also around the corner here. <laughs> Paran was my old, <laughs> what a old, place. old stomping ground. And um, we sold out the front room and we had someone taking donations from the Salvation Army um, on the night and we raised a couple of thousand dollars for them. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That is great. Yeah, they, they do amazing work, Salvation Army. Absolutely. For a long time. And especially in the housing sector. Yeah. yeah when I've worked closely with them. Yeah. And but you would you would have noticed as well, like in the film, like they were the people that, you know, they, they got as close to letting me into their home as mm. anyone else could, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And yeah. even in the fact, I know like, you know, like, like the, the scene where the two ladies, where they held your hand and prayed and prayed for your, yeah. even though some people like listening is like, may get a bit like religion and everything like that, but it's still mm. like love and compassion. Either Absolutely. Really, even it's from someone 
you know, who may be English, like any any other religious. Any Absolutely. Religion, it doesn't matter. It's still the same kind of bond deep down. And yeah. Foundation of why you do things. Like, Absolutely. That was powerful. Even though, and like, oh, even I watch it, I got, I was like, oh, this is a bit like churchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had that stigma as well. But like, and I come from, you know, my mum's Filipino, very Catholic background. Yeah. And I still get that ick. But it's like, this is still just someone looking out for human being no matter what. Like, what Absolutely. What? You know, my, um, my parents are um, beautiful people. Both quite different people, both similar in their motivated by love and compassion. But um, mum, um, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but she never had time for Jehovah's Witnesses or, mm. or Mormons coming to the door. Yeah, and um, she'd always be like, "No, sorry, I don't have time." And, and you know that, which is I'm sure their lived experience for most doors that they knock on. But my dad would always be like, "No," and I won't use my mother's name, but no, yeah. um, let them in. They're just trying to save your soul. Mm. And so dad would always like make you know, 30 minutes to like sit down with them, have a cup of tea with them and just listen to them mm. as a, as a, not a religious man at all. Just, uh, but like his heart was in the same place as their heart is in the same place as mine, as yours, as Cain's, yeah. you know, we're all, we're all human beings and we're all, you know, those, those salvation, not, sorry, not the salvation, those Jehovah's witnesses. Did I, did I say Jehovah's witnesses yeah, earlier? Jehovah's, yeah. Those Jehovah's witnesses also just want the best for you. Mm. Just like everyone yeah, else. Yeah. Even if it, doesn't agree with you or not it's still that's right i like this this is the, this is the theme this is the thread tying it all together that's it. No, totally um but i want to know how did your perspective of the homelessness issue change through i know it's a while back mm. through before that to after it mm. well look i mean you know something i think that's cool about the film is that anything i'm about to tell you you kind of bear witness to as mm. well so if i can plug the film just look up bum seven days on the streets of melbourne <laughs> on youtube shamefully I came up with the name when I was um, 20 and now I'm like, probably don't need the word yeah, bum, bum yeah. in there um, just because of the stigma around that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think we were talking, this is also that, that common thread, we were talking about like how can you truly appreciate a high if you haven't been through a low? Well, I think that I could truly A, appreciate my own life, but B, appreciate the plight of somebody that has done it tough by experiencing, as I said, n- I haven't experienced their life, but I, I certainly came a lot closer because of that film. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, th- I think it was a huge perspective shift for me. Yeah, and definitely seeing it. Like you can see it throughout the film mm. like as you gradually get towards the end to that point I mentioned before. Mm. It's just like the isolation and the disconnect from it. It's mm. just nothing to what, like, I've, like this is weird. When you said, um, I feel so lonely and disconnected from everything when you're in the alleyway that you're sleeping in mm. every night, I was like, I've actually been feeling super lonely lately just because I've been hustling and yeah. like grinding yeah. with yeah. like my life and I haven't, you know, put in time with many friends and things like that. Yeah. Like you ask Indra after this, I've just been in my hermit in my room. I'm just knackered. But yeah. And I'm like, this is nothing compared to what I'm going through. Like yeah. I, you know, got out of bed and felt wow. better. After like this is nothing to what I'm going through right now. Oh, and that, like, that's amazing. Yeah. And then... Um, that's, that's perspective. Yeah, it is. That literally is. And that's and like I thought the reason I started this is because of conversations like this and yeah. perspective shifting. People can listen and think, you know, I don't yeah. have things as bad or this person's... Um, this person who experiences really resonate with me and I can learn something from it. Mm. So, yeah, and, and it's such a big issue. And unfortunately, in my opinion, has too much, not too much has changed. Like, obviously, politics and That's policy. So, you mentioned that just before we started yeah. recording. I think that is so sad yeah. that it's been 10 years since that yeah. experience. I think awareness has grown. Right. And do you think awareness, well, it doesn't pay the rent? It doesn't, doesn't. Yeah. But do you think that awareness is. 
I mean, it's key, right? We, awareness has to happen before anything else. Yeah. In terms, like, in terms, if you make any kind of decision or any kind of growth or any kind of challenge in your life, it needs to begin with awareness. Yes. Yeah. But do you think that? Do you think that's the ceiling? Is that? Is that? Is that all? <sighs> well, yeah. It's yeah. Well, you have to raise a certain awareness for people to pay attention. Like Absolutely. Could, and this is a good segue into you raising awareness about the indigenous affairs as well, and the other great film that right. you talked about. Thank you. You know, you need and mental health issues as well. Like yeah. you need to raise a certain amount of awareness before things start to change. Mm. You know, like yeah. the, uh, the amazing things that Anthony Anthony Albanese has been preparing with the yeah. all the Rue statement and things yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, you need to get to a certain point before things the needle can change. I think. I do think in 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 our life. How old are you? 27. 27. <laughs> wow. I'm 33. That's, well, so in my lifetime, but also your lifetime as well. What an incredible 27-year-old you, you are. <laughs> no way. Um, it, in my life, whilst I do lament that in terms of you know Indigenous rights and uh, have, have barely changed from an actionable perspective, mm. there is fundamentally much more awareness now. Yes. But that was when, before you mentioned... Indigenous rights That was where my mind Just went as well yes. I'm like I'm like That's another fucking issue <laughs> That is just like It's great We're all more Now more people talk about it Yeah Is that it? Yeah exactly Yeah But like I know slow, I think we're slowly Getting there Like our understanding May mm. not be yep. Quite on point But yep. I think we're slowly Moving where You know the you know, I don't like Using the left or whatever But mm. where we're starting To see indigenous affairs As a key integral part Of our history And you know great. Social policy Finding that Great But like I'm um, going back to your work in raising that issue. That is a, a great. I watched that again today. That great film where you will take this and listen. We're a bit of a satirical view where you play the role of a tourist, and then going to try and climb um, Camp Parliament House and acting as like people tourists climbing Uluru. I That's mean, that right. Is amazing. Um, I mean, to put it in a creative sense in that, in that way, but then shine a light on a key topic is a very key talent. I mean, Thank do you, you. want to take the listeners about through that experience? As Absolutely. Well? I mean, because you had um, Native Mob join you yes as well. yes yeah. i did um that was the that video that you speak of yeah i'm so proud of it yeah but that is the last time i have ever and likely will ever attempt anything like that again because you were pushing legal oh yeah like for people that wasn't watching police got involved oh yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and like you know my friend patrick neff shout out to you neffy He's like my right-hand man with production stuff. I have to shout him out because anything that I've ever done that looks remotely good is because of him. Um, he came all the way down to Canberra for this shoot and he was working for Channel 9, I think, at the time. And his boss is like, what are you up to this weekend on a Friday? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to Canberra, going to climb Parliament House. By the way, um, I might be in jail on Monday, so I might not be able to come back to Melbourne. So um, firstly, thank you, Pat, for taking such a big risk for this um, silly video um, Secondly It was Such a um, I, I Like it might have come across as natural mm. But I really do not like Being in those yeah. Situations like, you, like in the video You seem natural How did the um, The local indigenous people Find that the, When you were pitching the concept to them So they live across the road From my parents oh, Wow yeah. yeah So which was great I mean my father already had A great relationship with them mm. um, And I'd written that I knew that the Uluru climb closure was happening on October 26, 2019. Yeah. I know this because this is the first line of dialogue yeah, from the you thing. Yeah, timed it so beautifully. Yeah, it was yeah. tightly scripted. Yeah. It was like I'd actually written it about six months in advance mm. um, and p pitched it with – I wrote a handwritten letter and sent the script up to Canberra to my dad. So I grew up in Canberra. Yep. 
and um, asked if dad would uh, take it to the mob across the road. And they just took one look at it and were like, anything for your son, Steve? <laughs> um, I said I wouldn't say my parents' name, but here we are. <laughs> um, and, and look, you know, bless them. They rocked up on the day. Um, dad cooked them all breakfast. And I, I told them what we were doing and that was just super into it. Oh, and yeah. it was great. And we spent the whole day together. And, and that was really great learning, a, a, like a great educational experience for me as well. Because I was just this white guy that had written an idea about black issues. But like um, I'd attempted to... Um, to uh, I'd, I'd reached out to an indigenous consultant. Um, oh, beautiful! That's a beautiful way to go about it. Yeah, yeah. But that, but that conversation, even though I, you know, I had I had part of the budget was for that, it still hadn't developed that much. I'm like, well, if I'm going to do it, I have to do it because that date was looming. So the actual first proper conversation I had with indigenous folk was on the day, and we right. spent the entire day um, learning. And I know that they were really appreciative of the experience as well. I know that they really appreciated and enjoyed being able to be part of that statement. Um, as, as I certainly appreciated um, being able to, I was about to say corroborate, collab- <laughs> collaborate with them on the day. What, now, I'm intri- intrigued about the fallout from that. So, was there any... Fuck l- all. <laughs> I got really. so lucky. Because if you watch the video, yeah, the police, and then it kind of a little bit like a, like if I had to explain it, like a simmering boiling water, because then one of the, uh, was it Blackfellas or something, was just like... Um, is this legal? Oh, yeah. it's legal. <laughs> to the cop's face. <laughs> and, and then it was just like, yeah, because I was so interested, like, did anything happen after that? So it was nothing. No, and, and like, obviously so blessed for that. And it's funny because I was in that, in that time in my life when I actually think that, you know, what, what defined my artistic endeavours was these, like, big, like, high-stakes high stunts, mm. which is, I'm so glad I don't do that anymore. That's just <laughs> making me stressed just thinking about it. But, like... Um, in the, in the high stakes stunts business, the more dangerous it is, the better that product is. Yeah, yeah. The more eyes. The more, yeah. the more eyes and the more interesting it is. Like the more like people are likely to talk about it. It's the danger factor. Yeah. So it's funny. I had this mixed feeling as we left there where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of a bit pissed off that like no one shot at me. Yeah. You know, no, obviously not to that extent, but like, you know, the fact that we just got to drive away and we just got like a, like a little slap, slap on, the, on wrist, the wrist. I'm just like, oh, slap on the wrist doesn't translate well on YouTube, does yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> what was the reception like from the Indigenous community after that? Uh, all I know is that I heard directly from um, our neighbours across the road in Canberra mm-hmm. and their mob yep. that, the be- yeah. that they loved it. Yeah. Um, and I've heard through hearsay. Actually, do you know what? It was on Reddit. Yeah. It was the front page of um, Reddit Australia. And so there were a number of Indigenous people sounding off on how good it was, which was just awesome because, you know, it's it's sensitive subject mm. matter. Yeah, it right? is. Yeah, very sensitive. Yeah. Right? It's like this, like, shush, shush. Yeah, That's right. Harsh, harsh. And so after that, I, because um, I'd been, I don't know if you've seen, but that was, that was the most political stunt that I'd made, yeah. right? But I'd made a number of them. In fact, I'd made two web series prior to that of the tourist um, web seri- uh, tourist series. One was set in Europe. One was set in America. This was like a pilot to do in Australia. And I, um, NITV, so the Indigenous Television, the sub- subsidiary of SBS, they got in touch. Beautiful. Yeah. And it was this amazing thing. Now, I'm talking six months before the pandemic, and they were they offered me a deal, um, which was they would I would write sketch ideas, and any idea that they liked, they'd fund it, and I could shoot it with a black production team, black cast, and myself. 
And man, I was like, this is this is the work that I've been and it'd be broadcast do, on yeah. broadcast on on national television because of that because of the the Parliament House done. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, I've finally done it. This is it. And we got our first. Um, I, I, I think I'd submitted two scripts before I got a green light, and I got a green light for. Um, it was January 26, and uh, like in the year 2000. So now we're literally um th- two months. So no, in the year 2020. So now we're two months before, before lockdown. COVID, yeah, that's right. Different world. <laughs> and January 26 that year, Scott Morrison had scheduled to um, th- uh, a replica build, and he fully funded this with taxpayer dollars of the HMS Endeavour to circumnavigate Australia <laughs> to proudly show our colonial heritage. Uh, and it was going to dock... I know, I know. It's like truly disgusting. And it was going to dock in Botany Bay in front of this big procession. There are going to be cannons going off. So I pitched this idea to NITV, which I'm still really proud of, which was... Um, it, it was a black coast guard was going to go out and stop the boats. And so, which was his other thing, which was like tightened border security. So we'd like, we'd organized, we were going to be like this fully indigenous coast guard and we're going to go out in speed boats and we're actually going to stop the HMS Endeavour in front of this whole display. And we were like, send them, send them to offshore processing at Christmas Island. <laughs> that is, that, that is, that is, uh, that is like perplex, right? Like it's like a, um, a bit of a you know, flip, flip the, flip the coin. That's you know, right. Flip the other side. That's right. As well, that is be- like beautiful. What happened with that one? Well, now I'm try- I, I want to say that COVID happened, but COVID didn't happen till March. Mm. For some reason, we'd oh no, they they postponed that whole thing. Thing, uh, yes. they weren't. They just didn't do that they whole just thing. Just the timing, right? Yeah. So then, and then I was like, okay, that's cool. I'll sit on the script. I'll sit on the script. Mm. And then we went into lockdown, and I don't mean to change the topic, but this was a big change in my life, as, a, yeah. as I'm sure it was in everybody else's, because suddenly I was like this guy twiddling his thumbs, going. Who am I? <laughs> yeah, like I'd just been, I'd, like years, years had got, like that, that stunt that you saw on Parliament House, so many years had gone into, you know, learning how to do that. And like from a production perspective and, and you know, making all of these, making all of these pieces of content in the lead up and then finally getting this television deal was like, okay, perfect. Now I have a, what feels like the semblance of a career. And then lockdown happened and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. I was chatting to my partner, Rebecca, shout out to you, Beck. She's always been the most amazing soundboard. Not unlike this one. <laughs> and she's like, um, she's like, can you do like a, um, a mind map? Write it all out. And I started writing like, you know, uh, put your name in the middle. Put what, what motivates you? What do you care about? And it was like love, connection, kindness, compassion, bringing people together, all of that. And, you know, I, and I came up with, with these things like, uh, the first one was, I'm not sure if you saw it, it was Make Kindness Viral. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. I saw the, um, which we'll get onto, the uh, uh, things we don't speak about. Oh, that you one. saw that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I think that was just before lockdown, but it was, it was yeah. a similar kind of thing. But it was like, I basically came up with this idea where I made this really pithy piece of content. And this was my first attempt at like mm. finding the new me post lockdown, post no more TV deal, who are you anymore kind of thing. Yeah. And I, it was like this 60 second video where I was like, I tell two. I tell three friends, um, twenty seconds worth of why I love them, and then they have to tell three friends, twenty seconds worth of why they love them in a single video, and you put it out into the world like that. And it was really cool because I did it, and I like I, 
I remember like Beck was out for the day. She was at work and I just set up a camera and I filmed like this really <laughs> ludicrous like little piece of content and it starts where it just looks like it's a guy. It's me doing a selfie but then because I'm, I'm a trained video editor, that's my job. Yeah. So like and then I pull up the bottom of the screen and then I'm underneath it and I start talking about all the, you know, why it's important to tell your friends that you love them. Yeah. Which is a big theme. Of my, I, us boys, my close mates back home, I would say love me mates. Like it's oh. our group. Like I've been missing them like hard. <laughs> you know, so we much. should we got to go and get dinner with them after this. Yes, yes, including Ninja. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't mind telling me mates I love them either. <laughs> like, but like it is so important. Like especially in that time too with COVID. Well, like, that's where you're so detached. Well, certainly, and because of that, I thought it was you know I thought that was an important thing to do. It, I never saw what the end of that ripple effect, but I do know that there were people in other countries doing it to other wow. people that I'd never heard of, which was cool. And they just had their little hashtag make kindness viral at the bottom. Um, but I, but after that, I was like, this is not a career. Yeah. This is just a video just a that I, yeah, this yeah. is a thing I made. Yeah. And, um, but I've always, and, and I, again, I, I don't mean to change the topic, but this is just what's happened. And I hope you don't mind. No, go for I'm it. being selfish here at the end of the way I'm commandeering this, but I love dance music so much. Yes. Yes. Uh, outside of politics, outside of, um, Telling people you love them, even though I still think it is deeply connected to that. But that's, <laughs> that's a side note. Um, I just love dance music. And so I, um, I'm in lockdown. And so I took a break. And this is in, it's interesting how as soon as you stop looking for something, you find something it. It's right. Up. You find it was right there. And as soon as I stopped looking for the thing that it was that defined me, I found Coburg Uplight. Yes, yes. Which is a big accident. Mm. And I was, and, and for listeners who are unaware, that is, Something that I started two and a half years ago and I, and it's like the more I do it, the more I love it and the more it grows and the more I, I'm inspired by it and the more it picks up steam and, and it has this wonderful community following it now. We, we can even share more of that because I think people don't realise like it's great. It's, I love how niche it is. Like, Thank you. And then you've had some massive DJs. Like I love a good time. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I do. But like, um, we actually met having a good yeah, time yeah, we, yeah. for those playing <laughs> along at home. <laughs> But like you've had some big like DJs. Do you want to run through? Something? You had late night tough guy. On there. We had late night tough guy. Yeah. He was my absolute number one. Uh, yes. And like when I when I kind of formulated the show and did my first season, it was always like in the back of my mind. Oh man, wow! Imagine if I had late night tough yeah. guy in here. Wow. Yeah. And for people listening, like you literally, so you play a set with a guest and then you interview them with the same time. Well, it'd be like this, but we'd be DJing at the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, that is incredible. Yeah. How how's the reception been for that? I mean, so unique and niche. I mean, because you get. Some, you know, house music and music heads who love music, but at the same time want to know behind the scenes of their tracks and mm. production mm. and then everything else going between it. Mm. I'm sure it'd be like such an amazing little audience you have. Well, do you know, well, thank you, yeah. firstly. Um, do you know what's been so amazing is because it was born from and during lockdown mm. that I've only just, be as our world's begun to open up and I made so much of it before the world started opening up, I've only just begun to realise its reach. Like how it's people landing. Going back out well, that's right. You're going it. back out and you're actually like, actually into, like you can put a face to a number. Mm. You know, previously you'd just see a number and like I, I'll be transparent with my numbers. They're not like, they're not huge. Yeah. It's about um, five to 10,000 people watch one episode. Yeah. But, but, you know, maybe one or 2,000 of those people will watch the entire 60 minutes and they'll do that every single week. And that, that 2,000 people, that's, they're real people. Yeah. And it's, it's been wild to like go and... Uh, you know, like any any given situation that someone will come up to you and just tell you how much my show means to them yeah. was like, it blows my mind because, because I'm not making this for any other reason than love. Mm. 
There's yeah, well, your love for mu- like house music. Yeah, ha- yeah. Love for th- music and love for people, man. Mm. You know, that was one thing I would have added to um, your excellent assessment of what the show is about, which is, yes, it's certainly about the technicalities. It's a peek behind the curtains of the industry. But it's actually, it's on an emotional level, it's about people. And it's like, you know, I think a DJ, prior to Coburg Up Late, and there are certainly other, other shows that do this to an extent as well, but prior to Coburg Up Late, DJs were this shady, cool figure oh, in the corner. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? They've got this um, certain stigma about them. That's right. They're doing other things that people shouldn't. That's then, right. You know, they... You know, the list could go on. That's but, right. You know, actually, you know, like you, like creatives, and you don't drink as well, like That's which right. I'm sure we'll get into. But mm. and yeah, it's like they they're actually quite intellectual and Certainly. quite creative, and, and just diff. They're just they're unique. Just they're yeah, people, yeah. right? They're just yeah. like they've got parents and they've got goals and they've got fears and they've got insecurities. And I'm like, yeah. oh my god, so do I. Yeah. And I think maybe my, you know what I bring to why I think Coburg Up Late stands out or one of the reasons is because I'm such a dag. <laughs> like I am the anti-cool Pat. I'm really not a cool guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Fucking oath right here. Hell yeah. All we needed then was to miss the high five. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be good. Real. <laughs> but yeah, like I've always found, like as you were saying, like I love music on the nutter, but like, that it always heightens the experience everything like no matter what when I'm having a crap day or something I'm in bed mm. at eight and I'm just smashing tunes I share that many songs in my story I was gonna say <laughs> I, lo- I love your commitment to sharing music and that's the same thing man that's all DJing is right mm. you know outside of this um, the stigma and what you pointed out about it and, and, and a lot of that I think a lot of people get involved with DJing for that reason yeah. and yeah 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 or, uh, to, that's make a, or to make a quick buck yeah like, make yeah. a quick buck and, and hey that's their thing but like I've never identified as a DJ yeah you know, I happen, even though DJ is literally in my Instagram handle, you know, <laughs> and, and I do it for work, but I, it's, for me, it's always about music, mm. you know, and, you know, you're, you're sharing a song in your Instagram story. Man, that is DJing. Yeah. Sh- it's just sharing music, right? And just DJing is, DJing specifically, like the actual motor skill is just probably the most efficient way to do that. And I think people forget how much, oh, like it's just pressing buttons. Yeah. You know, people say that there's actually so much to that. Right. Than what people fucking think. Well, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like it's it's timing, it is everything, you know, it's knowing, you know, the room and the context. Audience, context. It's context like, is yeah. a big one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, like, I think anyone could pick buttons. So anyone could press buttons, but I wouldn't trust. There are actually very few DJs in this world who I'd trust with context and timing and knowing what to play and when. Yeah. And now I'm clearly, I'm, I'd love to hear your, I guess, your perspective and, uh, this is so nice, by the way, I'm really enjoying <laughs> this. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> your description of the Melbourne club scene, I guess. Like, Cause wow. not many people would really like to you know, keep it obviously PG rated. <laughs> um, Certainly. Just how PG. I'm <laughs> like, how can we, how do you edge it above G? <laughs> <laughs> how can we, um, how would you describe, I guess the Melbourne club scene? Cause it's quite a diverse range from when you go North side, North of the river and then yep. South. Yeah. I mean, how do you describe it as a whole? Oh, that's really good. Uh, can I start with a question? And that being like, what's your experience? <laughs> if you don't mind. Uh, and my I, experience is normally just generated through the people I'm around and where they go. Nice. Right? Same. And, and I really <laughs> don't care. I love music in general. Great. Right? But Great. I, I just can't do it. And a lot of people won't like this chapel straight at the moment. I just yeah. I think it's because I turned a leaf in my age. If we threw this microphone, <laughs> we'd probably hit someone on chapel straight <laughs> right now. Just, just for context. I can't. Unless there's a time and place. It's a guilty pleasure. That's how I describe it. Yes. Like, yeah, you have some good times, but no yeah. matter what to me, the two biggest pillars is like the people that you're around Absolutely. and the, the music that's playing. Oh, right? that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Like, it, it sounds so simple, but there's such a different scene between up north and then down here. As that's well. so, so cool. And it's interesting. All these hospitality venues, right? They all um, pride themselves on their points of difference from each other. Yeah. But it's like, 
Mate, if you don't have good music and good people, uh, yeah, go um, fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. You know, it's we've got a water fountain in the corner. <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, yeah, it's 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 um such a unique dynamic between the north and the south with the music. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's interesting that you say that about Chapel Street. As, so I've lived on the north side for probably six or seven years. Prior to that, I was a Chapel Street junkie. You're saying that, yeah. Um, I think I think it's a thing when you're like about you know probably my age and lower, right? Like. Yeah, it's it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a lot of fun. It's just yeah. easy. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it is good fun. But I like yeah. return. I like returning to Chapel Street. So because it's been so long, right? And it was such a big. It was in my blood. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like to keep it PG, it was literally in my blood. <laughs> 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 um, that now when I go back, it's kind of for uh, this is a stretch. It's like going to Sydney as well. Mm. Going to for me, going to Paran, going to Windsor, or going to Sydney all feels the same, which is the best. I'm having the best time. I'm on holiday. I can't wait to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so unique. But like, I want to talk about um, club the night nightlife nightlife in, <laughs> in, in Melbourne. But like also. Because you're you've been sober for how long now? Like is four that, and a half that years. That is quite an interesting dynamic being a DJ, and again, that's breaking totally. down the stigma of being in the music industry and then also being sober. Yeah. Like well. How have you found that? I mean, going yeah, just logistically, like yeah, offering you a drink. Oh, actually, I don't drink. Oh, you're a DJ. Like yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's a great question. I you know again because I because I loved music before I stopped drinking. It was never my modus operandi to be like a DJ that. That you know that spreads that message, yeah. but it is this great happy coincidence that through my platform with Coburg Up Late, and then now that's helped my own personal career mm. as a as a human being and as a DJ as well. That now I do get to like spread a positive message yeah. about um, booze. It's just the worst drug, yeah. You know, and again, let's keep it PG. There are way better drugs, <laughs> you know, and, and I could I think I can say like that. Love. It, yeah, we'll say yeah, like love. They, the, the, gee. We're going G. <laughs> I know about G rated. I'm not talking about the drug G. <laughs> oh, I love love. Yeah, People know that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just a lousy drug. It's a lousy drug to DJ on. Um, I think it's. I think when when I I believe that booze does have a place mm. in the same in the same um, universe that kind of everything does. But that is that like I always had this theory, and even when I did drink, right, and I've come a long way since then. But I still kind of think that if the whole world was two flutes of champagne tipsy forever, the world would be a better place. <laughs> but but that's but that's but that cannot possibly happen because when it, uh, I'm, as a man that I'm sure has had a couple of flutes of champagne in his time, <laughs> you can never stop at two. Yeah, exactly. No, you never can. But like, yeah, I haven't actually drank that much the last five or six months. I just don't. Oh, nice. Have it. Like, like not that much. Like, yep. It, it's interesting when I worked in drug and alcohol that. Um, alcohol. The amount of times, the amount of clients we had for alcohol issues was so. In place like Portland, where I'm from, like oh, I'm not so surprised. Like, like little things like um, the local hairdressers when the girls would have like a couple of bottles of champagne and drive home. Like little, yeah, small, wow. like little things like that. And that's culture. It's cult- that's, that's Australian culture, culture right there. Yeah, like and then just all the those people I saw with um, who developed serious brain diseases through just alcohol, oh, alcoholism, man. and just things like that. Like. And yeah, that's just because just it's legal. And that's just well. the physical, right? Yeah. Like, what about all of the emotional oh, and the know, family that, stuff? Yeah. Like, I had um, Speak Share Boys. I don't know if you saw that. I, di- they, I did. They make real good content. Shout out to the fellas. <laughs> they made a beautiful video um, where it's about the anxiety the next day. And yeah. Looking out for your mate and just yeah. even your mental health and it goes through to the Monday and the oh Tuesday. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. 
Oh, you can't even. Can I? Can I actually share part of the reason why I stopped? Yeah, is because I became a person that was constantly in a state of apology. Yes, you know, so that apologizing for things that you did, that you did or didn't do, or you can't remember, or who did you piss off, or and you know, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but I was deeply selfish when I was drinking, and it's not that I was. I don't think I was a bad person to be around. In fact. If I made two my own horn, I was probably heaps, <laughs> heaps of fun. But that's only if you're directly in front of me, mm. then I will treat you well. And otherwise, blinders are on for the rest of my life. And the, it's amazing, the, you know, uh, the more people that are in your life, and I'm sure you've found this as well, mm. the more people you need to be genuinely considerate of. Yes, and if yeah. you are, you know, and, and I used to think, well, inconsiderate, not that bad an idea. It just means that you didn't consider somebody. Yes. When you don't consider people like the, that, then... then they don't deserve you. You don't deserve to be in their life, you know. Yeah. And I think that I was running from that fact by being a deeply inconsiderate. Well, it's escapism. Person. Certainly, well, that's, all that's all it is. Like alcohol and drugs, when used irresponsibly. Yep. Right. Like absolutely. Um, and then even like I found. Well, there's obviously other factors why I've drank less recently. Yep. Like I love a few drinks here, like on a Wednesday and then on a Saturday. Just congrats, by the way. Congrats. Any, yeah. any. Well, I'll still do it. Like I'm gonna have a big blowout this weekend. Like, but it's been five or six months, and yep. like now I relate alcohol to like the more special occasions and not just the time where I'm just sitting at home getting pissed. You know, yep. and it's just. You know, I've, it's because I found, and this sounds airy fairy, but I found very much more fulfillment in my life day to day. Like I'm flat patch now, I'm just just genuinely tired. But now, I'm like doing podcasting again and Fuck getting yeah. into other things, I don't feel the need to. Drink do you know? Do you know, Pat? Next time that you tell somebody that incredible thing that in your life, I I, I want to challenge you to say to not start with it sounds airy fairy. Yeah, I'll try because do that it a lot. because yeah. because it does not. Yes, and back it because it's so cool what you're doing. Yeah, you know, in this not just in the podcasting, but in your in your um consciously stepping away from booze to an extent because you know mm. that it's not serving you. Yeah. And I, by the way, I don't think everybody should quit. Mm. I think that it sounds oh, as though it sounds as though your relationship with it is actually healthy and becoming healthier. Mm. Yeah. And and I think a lot of it was because my perception, my old, like I'm not saying he's a bad man, but he's probably not the healthiest way shit with alcohol as well. Is so who's, I, who's sorry? My old man. Yep. So like, I just didn't want that. Like I just didn't yep. want that. Especially, well, when I'm young, go through the uni days, I think everyone goes through that. But now yes. it's just like I don't kind of really want that relationship. Like I want to tie it and to heighten my experience for beautiful moments, like my mate's wedding, which I'll never forget, and oh, God, have a healthy relationship. I think I saw photos from that. Yeah, it was a beautiful time. <laughs> yeah, it was a beautiful time. Yeah, Padgy. Um, <laughs> now, as we tie this all up, it's you, been an hour it's already. Been an hour already. You're this kidding. is like us at Monique's. It's what? just throughout. We love love. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I always try to tie up the the show with. Where do you see yourself in five years, mate? Oh, where that's do you see cool. yeah. where do you see the whole Kobeg up late and yourself in five more years? Well, that's great. Okay, so it's a cool question because I guess we have been speaking about career trajectory a bit. Yeah. That has been a, a theme. And by the way, thank you for like indulging me. I gotta say, I had an anxiety coming into oh, you coming. No, well, but, <laughs> but I love that you've created a safe space where I can share this with you. And my anxiety was I'm so used to asking people about yes, things. Yes, yes. And talking about myself is like I can do it with certain people, but even like people that are incredibly close to me. Shout out to you, Tegan Higginbotham. Um, she's a new mate of mine over the last um, year or two. She even says like, mate, whatever I ask how you are, you'll, you'll literally ask me a different question. Yeah. And so I realized that I think talking about myself is something I struggle with. So, hey, thank you for creating this space and, and allowing me to speak about myself and making it such a joyous occasion to do so. <laughs> Um, secondly, in terms of uh, career, career uh, trajectory and personal trajectory, doing Coburg up late 
has been the, and I can say this with, um, hand on my heart, it's been the first time I've created a piece of art where I, um, yes, there is momentum. Absolutely. In fact, there's probably more momentum in this show than anything I've ever done. Oh, especially in podcasting. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. But I'm, I'm only driven by what's directly in front of me. And because, uh, and that may change, but at this point in my life and what's gotten this show to the success that it has, which I, I'm very proud to say it has quite a lot of success now is because I've never lost sight of what's directly in front of me. Um, I have like vague ideas of where it would like to be, but I don't think that's as important as having fun and playing music with people that I admire. Oh, definitely. definitely. And that's, that, that was the modus operandi when I started it two and a half years ago, and that's what it still is. And when I started it two and a half years ago, I had my mates on, albeit my talented mates, and now I have my heroes on. So I'm going to keep doing it the way I'm doing uh, it. Who's your dream guest? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, okay. Well, we were talking, I mean, Eric Prids, oh, if you're yeah. familiar. Yeah. yeah. Call, I reckon Prids. Call on. Call on. <laughs> <laughs> and like, all, you know, the, uh, you know, the more I do the show, the more I, I realize just how human we all are, right? Yeah. So it's funny because it, by humanizing everybody, it kind of, it actually takes stigma around from pretty much everyone. Because I'm like, even like the superstar that is Eric Prids, you spend 20 minutes talking smack with him in the garage. You'd be like, he'd just be another mate, you know? Um, Hernan Cataneo is a progressive house DJ who's coming here in December. Um, I would love, but I've, I realize I love his music so much that I would rather not be stressed about doing an episode with him and I might just go to his gig. Yes. <laughs> Record it there. Exactly. Padgy, thanks for your time, mate. Pat- where, and where can people find you just before we finish it up? We're on, uh, uh, currently, yeah. currently um, I'm just on a side street off Chapel Street. <laughs> um, on the social media. Um, you, can, you can go to at Coburg Up Late on Instagram or at DJ Be Kind to Other People. Um, you can also find my website, www.coburguplate.com. You can look up Callum Padgham. It's a bit of a doozy of a name. C-A-L-L-U-M <laughs> space P-A-D-G-H-A-M on YouTube. That's where a bunch of those videos we were talking yeah, about. Beautiful earlier exist. Yeah, beautiful eye-opening. Yeah, but I think, you know, the beauty of the socials is it's a great way to just keep in touch as, like, as a person's career evolves. Um, and I have no doubt it will evolve whether it'll be for better or worse it will change and <laughs> and i welcome that with open arms thank you padgy i think a lot of people get a lot out of this episode mate you're doing amazing things and thank you for being my friend so, my god <laughs> that is so beautiful and same to you pat much love can i can i hug you we will definitely hug i'm coming <laughs>